Our dear Father in heaven, we are grateful to you that you have made this provision where we can fellowship with you. The things contained in the words that you want to give to us are things that are of great importance and we know that our salvation hinges on your word and the acceptance of this word and the understanding of it. Therefore, Lord, we pray, grant us graciously of your spirit that we may have our hearts opened to listen to your word and to understand it, that we may see the importance of what you are speaking to us as we listen. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to take away every hindrance and rubbish that stops us from understanding your word, and may your spirit have an influence on us. I bring myself to you, Lord. I cannot see anything that will be a blessing to your children, and no matter how good it may sound, if your spirit is not with me or with them, it will be of no value. Therefore, Lord, put your words in my mouth and grant us all of your spirit that your word may bless us today. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage October 25 Fretting and Fussing The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are fretting and fussing about so many things, but one thing is necessary. The part that Mary has chosen is best, and it shall not be taken away from her. Luke chapter 10 verse 41 and 42 As Christ gave his wonderful lessons, Mary sat at his feet, a reverent and devoted listener. On one occasion, Martha, perplexed with the care of preparing the meal, went to Christ, saying, Lord, does thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. This was the time of Christ's first visit to Bethany. The Savior and his disciples had just made the toilsome journey on foot from Jericho. Martha was anxious to provide for their comfort, and in her anxiety, she forgot the courtesy due to her guest. The one thing that Martha needed was a calm devotional spirit, a deeper anxiety for knowledge concerning the future immortal life, and the graces necessary for spiritual advancement. She needed less anxiety for the things which pass away and more for those things which endure forever. Jesus will teach his children to seize every opportunity of gaining that knowledge which will make them wise unto salvation. The cause of Christ needs careful, energetic workers. There is a wide field for the martyrs with their zeal in active religious work. But let them first sit with Mary at the feet of Jesus. Let diligence promptness and energy be sanctified by the grace of Christ, then the life will be an unconquerable power for good. 
The reason why the youth and even those of mature years are so easily led into temptation and sin is that they do not study the word of God and meditate upon it as they should. The lack of firm decided willpower, which is manifest in life and character, results from neglect of the sacred instruction of God's word. They do not by earnest effort direct the mind to that which would inspire pure holy thought and divert it from that which is impure and untrue. There are few who choose the better part, who sit at the feet of Jesus as did Mary, to learn of the divine teacher. Few treasure his words in the heart and practice them in the life. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Fretting and Forcing. And we are taking a look at the lesson that Jesus tried to teach us with two people, two sisters, Mary and Martha. These two sisters, Mary and Martha, were close friends of Jesus. They were sisters to Jesus' very close friend called Lazarus, the one whom he resurrected. As this was a home that Jesus liked to go to because he felt comfortable there. Lazarus was his friend. Imagine, Jesus had friends, close friends at that, apart from disciples. And if there's one person who stands out as a good friend of Jesus, who people knew that this man is a close friend of Jesus, it was Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. At one time, as we read, Jesus had taken a toilsome journey from Jericho to Bethany on foot with his disciples and when he got to where he was going to Bethany which is where Lazarus and his sisters stay he lodged in the house of Lazarus Martha then thinking that what was needed at this time was to do all the preparations to give Jesus food had an encounter with Jesus let's look at it now in the book of Luke 10 from verse 38 to 42 it says now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house and she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said Lord does thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone bid her therefore that she help me and Jesus answered and said unto her Martha Martha thou art careful and troubled about many things but one thing is needful and Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken from her amen we read in our devotion today conflict and courage page 304 paragraph 3 the one thing that Martha needed was a calm devotional spirit a deeper anxiety a deeper anxiety for knowledge concerning the future immortal life and the graces necessary for spiritual advancement she needed less anxiety for the things which pass away and more for things which endure forever so what's the lesson jesus will teach his children you and me to seize every opportunity of gaining that knowledge which will make them wise unto salvation the cause of Christ needs careful energetic workers. There is a wide field for the martyrs with their zeal in active religious work. But let them first sit with Mary at the feet of Jesus. End of quote. So, 
what is the lesson the Lord is trying to teach us here? There are two parts of the Christian life. There is a part of devotion and there is a part of missionary work. And when I say missionary work, it doesn't just mean going to preach to people. Remember that we have studied that the farmer, the merchant man, the businessman, even the man who is serving in the government office all are doing the work for God. They are missionaries as far as they are standing there as God's representatives keeping the commandments of God. We are all missionaries in, 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 in the different places of life that we find ourselves. So we have these two parts of our lives. The one that has to do with six days shall thou labor and doing temporal things or even it could be one who is a minister and then but there's still the other part which is the devotional life and we must have a balance in these things. Jesus taught this lesson so much that we should not be so engaged in the hustle and bustle, fretting and fussing, whether it is in religious duties or in temporal things in our secular works, so much that we neglect our devotional life. One thing is needful and that is that devotional life. And Jesus said about Mary that she had chosen the better part. What part are you choosing? Are you having a life devoid of devotion because you are doing missionary work, because you are preaching to people, or because of the secular labor that you are doing? Then you are being like Martha. But what would be the result of being like Martha, not sitting at the feet of Jesus in your devotion to hear of him, not sitting at the feet of Jesus in coming to rest a while? What would be the result? You will not have that knowledge that concerns the future immortal life and you will not be able to develop in yourselves the graces necessary for spiritual advancement. Why do I say so? I want to remind you what I read earlier. Conflict and Courage, page 304, paragraph 3. The one thing that Martha needed was a calm devotional spirit. What does this mean? A deeper anxiety for knowledge concerning the future immortal life and the graces necessary for spiritual advancement. So it is not enough that you are doing work secularly and preaching to people. You need to sit down at the feet of Jesus and learn. Learn for what purpose? That you may continue to develop yourself in your character, the graces of the Spirit, and also having a knowledge of the future immortal life. What does that mean? It amounts to knowing the Word of God, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Have you understood the book of Daniel? Have you understood the prophecies of the Word of God as it is written in the book of Revelation? Do you Are you able to break down the work that is going on in the heavenly sanctuary where can you learn this it is not by the hustle and bustle it is by coming to rest a while like i said jesus taught this to his disciples on one time when they had gone on ministerial work he told them come look at it now mark chapter 6 verse 30 and 31 and the apostles gathered themselves together unto jesus and told him all things but what they had done and what they had taught take note they went to teach now what did Jesus tell them in verse 31? And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. I'll be reading now from Desire of Ages, page 360 and downward. It's a long reading. To explain what this come rest a while means and how important it is for us today. It says, But now Christ longed for retirement, that he might be with his disciples. For he had much to say to them. Christ has much to say to you. In their work, they had passed through the test of conflict and had encountered opposition in various forms. Hitherto, they had consulted Christ in 
everything. But for some time they had been alone and at times they had been much troubled to know what to do. They had found much encouragement in their work. For Christ did not send them away without his spirit and by faith in him they worked many miracles. But they needed now to feed on the bread of life. They needed to go to a place of retirement where they could hold communion with Jesus and receive instruction for future work. So what are we reading here? It is not just about your morning and evening devotions. This is a program. Jesus called them apart for a program, a spiritual revival, a camp meeting where they can now learn more and receive more instruction for future work. Going on, it says, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. Christ is full of tenderness and compassion for, in, for all in his service. He would show his disciples that God does not require service, sacrifice, but mercy. They had been putting their whole souls into labor for, for the people, and this was exhausting their physical and mental strength. It was their duty to rest. As the disciples had seen the success of their labors, they were in danger of taking credit to themselves in danger of cherishing spiritual pride and thus falling under Satan's temptations. A great work was before them and first of all, they must learn that their strength was not in self but in God. Like Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, like David among the hills of Judea or Elijah by the brook Cherit, the disciples needed to come apart from the scenes of their busy activity to commune with Christ, with nature and with their own hearts. What does this mean for us? You also may are in danger of taking credit for the spiritual work you are doing. You may be in danger of taking credit for the money that you are making and the wealth that is increasing. You also may be in danger of going, of going away from the Lord completely because of your lack. And this is the reason why we need to come apart and rest a while. Continuing it says, while the disciples had been absent on their missionary tour, Jesus had visited other towns and villages preaching the gospel of the kingdom. It was about this time that he received tidings of the Baptist's death. This event brought vividly before him the end to which his own steps were tending. The shadows were gathering thickly about his path. Priests and rabbis were watching to compass his death. Spies hung upon his steps and on every hand Plots for his ruin were multiplying. News of the preaching of the apostles throughout Galilee reached Herod, calling his attention to Jesus, to Jesus and his work. This is John the Baptist, he said. He is risen from the dead and he expressed a desire to see Jesus. Herod was in constant fear lest a revolution might be secretly carried forward with the object of unseating him from the throne and breaking the Roman yoke from the Jewish nation. Among the people, a spirit of discontent and insurrection was rife. It was evident that Christ's public labors in Galilee could not be long continued. The scenes of his suffering were drawing near, and he longed to be apart for a season from the confusion of the multitude. End of quote. How can we relate to Jesus? During the course of the days and the years, as we go about in our temporal duties and our spiritual work, do you see around you signs that are showing you that Herod is coming for you? Do you see signs around you that shows that your own end is about to come? 
death is coming for you whether it is by old age or whether it is the signs that are showing us that prophecies are being fulfilled rapidly and as we hear of people's liberties being taken away from them as we hear of people being punished by the government sanctioned innocent people what is it telling us ask not for whom the bell tolls it tolls for thee when jesus heard about the death of john the baptist what came to his mind was i am next does it come to your mind as you see the signs fulfilling around you that very soon this world is going to focus on you based on what we realize in the word of god that very soon god's people are are going to be under the government scrutiny and going to be punished does it come to you it came to jesus and what was his solution to it he says that the scenes of his suffering were drawing near and he longed to be apart for a season from the confusion of the multitude this is what we should feel when we see these things happen like jesus we should feel the need to go apart for a season and rest a while mark chapter 6 verse 32 to 34 says and they departed into a desert place by sheep privately and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and out went them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, and and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion towards them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And what did he do? And he began to teach them many things. Amen. What does this tell us? That in this rest. Jesus will teach us too. When we gather together, Jesus will see our need and will teach us. Desire of Ages, page 361, paragraph 3 says, The rest which Christ and his disciples took was not self-indulgent rest. The time they spent in retirement was not devoted to pleasure-seeking. They talked together regarding the work of God and the possibility of bringing greater efficiency to the work. The disciples had been with Christ and could understand him. To them, he need not talk in parables. He corrected their errors and made plain to them the right way of approaching the people. He opened more fully to them the precious treasures of divine truth. They were vitalized by divine power and inspired with hope and courage. Though Jesus could work miracles and had empowered his disciples to work miracles, he directed his warned servants to go apart into the country and rest. When he said that the harvest was great and the laborers were few, he did not urge upon his disciples the necessity of ceaseless toil, but said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Matthew 9 verse 38. Before I go on, let me just comment on the previous paragraph we just read. There, we see that the content of that program when they went to the desert was that Jesus was correcting their errors. It was like a debriefing. They would tell him this was how uh, missionary work was and he would tell them, oh, you should have done it this way. This is the best way to do it. And they would tell him of their successes and of their failures and then he would correct them. And not just that, he was also teaching them and giving them other ways in which they can bring greater efficiency to the work 
how they could do that and he was making plain to them the right way to approach the people and not only that we also read he opened more fully to them the precious treasures of divine truth do you know all the truth no this is the reason why we need to come and rest a while because the precious treasures of divine truth will be opened more fully to us now going on in the reading like we said jesus saw that they needed rest it is not that we must work 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 because the laborers are few continuing it says god has appointed to every man his work according to his ability ephesians 4 verse 11 to 13 and he would not have a few weighted with responsibilities while others have no burden no travail of soul Christ's words of compassion are spoken to his workers today, just as surely as they were spoken to his disciples. Come ye yourselves apart and rest a while, he says to those who are worn and weary. It is not wise to be always under the strain of work and excitement, even in ministering to men's spiritual needs. For in this way, personal piety is neglected and the powers of mind and soul and body are overtaxed. Self-denial is required of the disciples of Christ, and sacrifices must be made. But care must also be exercised, lest through their overzeal, Satan take advantage of the weakness of humanity, and the work of God be marred. So, from what we read just now, what is the reason why we need to come apart to rest? Because if we don't, our spiritual life will suffer. And when temptation comes to us from the devil, we will easily fall for them. And then, we will mar that work that we are trying to do. Continuing the reading, it says, In the estimation of the rabbis, it was the sum of religion to be always in a bustle of activity. They depended upon some outward, outward performance to show their superior piety. Thus, they separated their souls from God and built themselves up in self-sufficiency. The same dangers ex still exist. As activity increases and men become successful in doing any work for God, there is danger of trusting to human plans and methods. There is a tendency to pray less and to have less faith. Like the disciples, we are in danger of losing sight of our dependence on God and seeking to make a savior of our activity. We need to look constantly to Jesus, realizing that it is his power which does the work. While we are to labor earnestly for the salvation of the lost, we must also take time for meditation, for prayer, and for the study of the word of God. Only the work accomplished with much prayer and sanctified by the merit of Christ will in the end prove to have been efficient for good. No other life was ever so crowded with labor and responsibility as was that of Jesus. Yet how often he was found in prayer, how constant was his communion with God. Again and again in the history of his earthly life are found records such as these. Rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Another one, great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed and oh, by, okay, that was Mark chapter 1 verse 35. Another one says, great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities and he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. That's Luke 5 verse 15. Again, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. That is Luke chapter 6 verse 12. 
in a life wholly devoted to the good of others, the Savior found it necessary to withdraw from the thoroughfares of travel and from the throng that followed him day after day. He must turn aside from a life of ceaseless activity and contact with human needs to seek retirement and unbroken communion with his Father. As one with us, a sharer in our needs and weaknesses, he was wholly dependent upon God and in the secret place of prayer he sought divine strength that he might go forth braced for duty and trial. In a world of sin, Jesus endured struggles and torture of soul. In communion with God, he could unburden the sorrows that were, causing, that were crushing him. Here he found comfort and joy. In Christ, the cry of humanity reached the Father of infinite pity. Come ye yourselves apart, he bids us. If we would give heed to his word, we should be stronger and more useful. The, the, the disciples sought Jesus and told him all things, and he encouraged and instructed them. If today we would take time to go to Jesus and tell him our needs, we should not be disappointed. He would be at our right hand to help us. We need more simplicity, more trust and confidence in our Savior, he, he whose name is called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He of whom it is written, the government shall be upon his shoulder, is the wonderful counselor. In all who are under the training of God is to be revealed a life that is not in harmony with the world, its customs or its practices. And everyone needs to have a personal experience in obtaining a knowledge of the will of God. We must individually hear him speaking to the heart. When every other voice is, is hushed and in quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. He bids us be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46 verse 10 Here alone can true rest be found. And this is the effectual preparation for all who labor for God. Amid the hurrying throng and the strain of life's intense activities, the soul that is thus refreshed will be surrounded with an atmosphere of light and peace. The life will breathe out fragrance and will reveal the divine power that will reach men's hearts." End of quote. So, what are we learning from Mary sitting down at the feet of Jesus as opposed to Martha's hustle and bustle, fretting and fretting, fretting and fussing? We are learning that we need to have a devotional life. That is what it is. How many times do you pray in a day? If our Lord Jesus needed to set out time to pray and sometimes had to pray all night, what does that tell you about the secret of his power? If he was not doing these things, he would have marred his work. And we need to learn that as we go in our temporal activities and our spiritual work on every on the daily basis, we need to take out time to pray your morning devotions, afternoon prayers and evening. David said morning and afternoon and evening will I rise to pray. David said he prayed often, Jesus prayed often and we must understand that this prayer is as the sitting at the feet of Jesus that Mary was doing and we must also have time to meditate on the word of God and study it. Whether you are a preacher or whether you are a businessman or a farmer or whatever occasion, occupation that you are engaged in, do not let it take so much of your time that you don't have time for God, that you don't have time for devotion. Their work is much, laborers are few and there is much work but that doesn't mean God is saying that you should do all the work yourself. Like we read, we are in danger of making a savior of our work. 
without you, God will still do the work. Don't make a savior of your work as if, oh, if I don't do this work, the world will not be saved. Yes, in a sense, you must do the work, but not more than is required of you. Like Jesus, we should take time out for our devotions. But more than that, not just devotion, we should take time out to come together. It is important that sometime in the year, we must come together like the disciples. It was not just personal devotion now. Jesus called them apart to pray. Jesus called them apart for a spiritual program and they were exchanging experiences. This was a program they did and it was necessary. We must do this. Your devotional life is not enough. We must come together. Would believers must come together to counsel together. Reading from Testimonies Volume 4 to explain this, page 106, paragraph 3, and I'll be moving downward. It says, It is no small matter for a family to stand as representatives of Jesus, keeping God's law in an unbelieving community. We are required to be living epistles known and read of all men. This position involves fearful responsibilities. In order to live in the light, you must come where the light shines. Brother K at any sacrifice should feel under solemn obligation to attend with his family at least the yearly gatherings of those who love the truth. It would strengthen him and them and fit them for trial and duty. It is not well for them to lose the privilege of associating with those of like faith. For the truth loses its importance in their minds. Their hearts cease to be enlightened and vivified by its sanctifying influence. And they lose spirituality. They are not strengthened by the words of the living preacher. Worldly thoughts and worldly enterprises are continually exercising their minds to the exclusion of spiritual subjects. The faith of most Christians will waver if they constantly neglect to meet together for conference and prayer. If it were impossible for them to enjoy such religious privileges, then God will send light direct from heaven by his angels to animate, cheer and bless his scattered people. But he does not propose to work a miracle to sustain the faith of his saints. They are required to love the truth enough to take some little pains to secure the privileges and blessings vouchsafed for them of God. The least they can do is to devote a few days in the year to a united effort to advance the cause of Christ and to exchange friendly counsel and sympathy. Many devote nearly all their time to their own temporal interests and pleasures and grudge the few days spent and the expense involved in going a distance from their homes to meet with a company gathered together in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord defines covetousness as idolatry. Then how many idolaters are there, even among those who profess to be the followers of Christ? It is required that we meet together and bear testimony to the truth. The angel of God said, then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. It will pay then to improve the privileges within our reach and even at some sacrifice to assemble with those who fear God and speak for him 
for he is represented as hearkening to those testimonies. While angels write them in a book, God will remember those who have met together and thought upon his name and will spare them from the great conflagration. They will be as precious jewels in his sight, but his wrath will fall on the shelterless head of the sinner. It is not a vain thing to serve God. There is a priceless reward for those who devote their life to his service. Dear brother and sister, you have been gradually entering the darkness until almost imperceptibly it has grown to appear like the light to you. End of quote. What is the Lord trying to tell us? Just what I've said earlier, and I trust that the Holy Spirit is impressing these words on your heart. If you do not have an ex excuse, then you must come together where those of like faith are coming to counsel together and bless. The Lord gives special blessings in such gatherings. We are not to make the hustle and bustle of life to be an excuse for neglecting to counsel together. And those who come to counsel must understand that all we are brethren and we are to come to such places with a heart willing to be blessed and also to bless others. Let nothing stop you like we read our faith will grow weaker if we neglect to come to such places. Our faith will waver if we constantly neglect to meet together for conference and prayer. Being in a world that is laden with iniquity, constantly seeing these things, you find out that sometimes you get affected by it. And that's why you need to come to an environment that is a pure and moral atmosphere where you see your brethren all trying to live up to the standard. And you know that now I also need to live up to the standard. Perhaps before you had already dropped down some standards. But when you come for conference and prayer with brethren, where the standard is elevated, you would see a reason for you to pick up yourself and raise the standard up again. Sometimes we make little compromises through the years and this is the reason why we need to come together for conference, not to come there to justify your compromises but to come there so that your spirit will be quickened again to see the reason why you decided what you decided earlier so that you can have a reason to start again and those places where you have made compromises, you stop making compromises there and then live up to the expectation of what the Lord has for you once again. It is a very important thing. Do not let any excuse stop you. When you come to such places, no one is saying you are coming to a place where everyone is all holy and perfect. But when you come there, focus on Jesus. Sit down at the feet of Jesus and learn and do not be distracted. And surely the Lord will bless all those who do this. May we be like Martha, yes, in working. But first, let us learn to sit at the feet of Jesus having a devotional life that is active and not neglecting to come together with people of like faith for conference and prayer. May the Lord bless us. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for making such a provision for us so that our spiritual life is kept glowing and burning. We pray, Lord, that you will help us at any sacrifice to take advantage of the devotions that you want us to do in our own personal life and to also take advantage of coming together with brethren of like faith that we may build up ourselves in the most holy faith. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.